Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Some business news. Coors just launched a new ice cream that is infused with their hard seltzer. They didn't pitch that on Shark Tank. They pitched that on Drunk Tank. Oh. Mm. I don't know why that made me laugh. Meh. So, uh, oh boy, she's all grown up. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> what? Come the on Supreme now. Supreme Court has... I, I, you having a good time, Joe? <laughs> the Supreme Court has ruled in favor of the potty-mouthed high school cheerleader in that free speech case involving her Snapchat post. Uh, she's no longer a high schooler. So, um, I, it's funny, I listened to an entirely... Uh, an entire hour podcast about this with a couple of Harvard lawyers describing the ins and outs of this case, and I have very little memory of it. She badmouthed her teacher or coach? Or? In, in May of 2017, she was then a high school sophomore in Pennsylvania. She didn't make the varsity cheerleading squad, so she sent a Snapchat to 250 followers that said, F school, <laughs> F softball. F cheer, F everything. Spelling it out, obviously. Sounds like a good uh, follow. Said the 14-year-old child. She was 14 <laughs> at the time? Yes. Yeah. Um, as he wrote on her cell phone, posting a photo of herself and a friend extending their middle fingers, the snap automatically disappeared in 24 hours, but a screenshot of the message made its way to the cheerleading coach. Yeah, I got to say, as a, uh, a parent, a father of an 11-year-old who will be 14 in roughly three years, uh, I, I, I don't want him to do that if he doesn't make some team or something. Right. Well, yeah, there's there's whether it's advisable, classy, smart and whether it's constitutional or not. The school then suspended Ms. Levy from the junior varsity team for the school year, saying she had violated various rules, including prohibitions of foul language, unsportsmanlike conduct and disrespect of the school. Now, uh, banned from the junior varsity cheerleading squad for an entire year. You'll never bounce back from that. That is a setback. Yep, yep, yep. After the school refused to reconsider the punishment, Ms. Levy and her parents went to court. Here's where it gets interesting. Federal district and appeals courts agreed that the school violated her free speech rights, but differed in their reasoning. The federal district judge said Ms. Levy's exclamation simply couldn't be considered disruptive of school, which is the standard from the famous Tinker v. Des Moines Independent School District in 1969. If you're not disruptive, you get to say stuff. Um, how, would free- the, I, I'm, I'm, how would that not be disruptive? I would think if it made the rounds, it was disruptive. Mm, that's an interesting question. Uh, I think it could briefly be, but in the modern social media world, I don't think it'd make that big an impression yeah, on a keep, bunch of high school mind, kids. Snapchat, by design, your posts are only up for 24 hours. Okay. The only reason this thing made the rounds is somebody screen grabbed it and took it to people who that individual would have. Yeah. You know, She had a very small following base. It was unlikely this thing was going to go viral in any meaningful way. Right, right. But then a three-judge panel of the 3rd U.S. Court of Appeals in Philly affirmed the, vic- the victory unanimously. She's won at every level, by the way, the, uh, the rough-talking uh, cheerleader. Two judges held that the school had no authority to discipline students for off-campus speech. A third agreed with the district court, finding that regardless of whether the school could, in some instances, police off-campus speech, her snap couldn't really be considered disruptive. Appealing to the Supreme Court, the school district argued that it needed to power... It needed power over off-campus speech to prevent cyberbullying and other digital threats to students, which mm. is an interesting point yeah. of view. Yeah, yeah, that is. Because cyberbullying is... can have awful, awful effects. 
Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I've I've heard about this from other parents about, you know, in the social media, lots of kids ganging up on one kid or whatever and making jokes and they make the rounds and how hurtful that is. Mm-hmm. An ACLU attorney, though, representing Ms. Levy, argued that threats and harassment already are prohibited uh-huh. and schools could still discipline students who bully others without nipping broader free speech rights. There you go. Uh, You're a right lot of to attention. say F you to your cheerleading coach. Yeah, I don't. They weren't named. F cheer was as specific as she got. Hmm. But the Supreme Court extended its protection of student speech to social media on Wednesday, eight to one, ruling that a Pennsylvania school district overstepped its authority by punishing the high school cheerleader, uh, et cetera. I don't. So I don't. I'm not concerned about this case really one way or the other. But I say, I oh, God, I just. Just even thinking about when it went, when it was so important, whether you were on varsity or junior varsity or whatever, and just, you know, the, the, how it seemed like the whole world revolved around those decisions. Just, oh, God, that, that, that period of life is just awful. It's just awful. <laughs> yeah. And as a parent, I, I, I struggled to find the right way to communicate to my kids. I think I did a decent job, but of respecting that what they were going through was real. And not yeah. trying to diminish it or sure. dismiss it. Sure, I know. It felt completely 100% real at the time. But saying to them, finding a way to communicate to them, when you are six months into college, not even the full <laughs> yeah. year, six no, months about, in. I thought you were going to say when you're 60, but you're right. You don't no. need to be 60 oh, to look Lord. back on this. When you're six months into college, you look back on it. As a somewhat amusing and somewhat embarrassing collection of experiences that don't really matter much anymore at all. Yeah, it's something. It is, it, and it's again, it's a difficult needle to thread. But kids need to hear that. Why are it's we like dis- the it's get it gets better campaign to convince uh, gay kids that that it's life is not high school. It, it gets better. Boy, that's that's the message. Life is not high school. Mm-hmm. And. uh um, why are we designed that way biologically to make everything seem like at age 15, that is, that it is the most important thing in the world and the rest of our lives? Well, wonder, how do you have perspective if, if you don't have any perspective? <laughs> is it just mix of uh, youth and hormones? Is that all it is? Joe <laughs> blowing my mind. Yeah, you blew Sean's mind, which is going to make it, going to make it hard in his new job. Right, right. <laughs> Sean, I noticed you have a blown mind. Well, Joe said something one day. It was something no, about here's... perspectives, and oh, man, it was great. Well, if you are more in love than you've ever been in your life, or more angry than you've ever been in your life, or, you know, everything's superlatives because it's the first time. But it's got to be something to do with development because it's not as intense in fifth grade, I remember, uh, you know. I'd be disappointed if I didn't went out early in the spelling bee, but it wasn't just soul crushing like things were in high school. Well, I think it's a combination of growing awareness and making more impactful decisions. Uh, there's virtually nothing that happens in fifth grade uh, other than tragedy that will affect your adult life. Sure. You, you in, can in high school. In fifth grade, my favorite person on the planet was probably still one of my parents. That's not necessarily true in high school anymore. That's uh, that's a decent point right there. Right, the stakes are higher, and uh, and and your ability, your your uh, you know, you're more the captain of your own ship, so you feel the pressure. Ah, yeah, that's true, that's true too. Oh, jeez, oh boy, yeah, yeah. There are, there are days I don't even want to think about that. It was just so heavy at the time. Oh yeah, it's just 
it, it the, the whole world is in that hallway with all the clanking of the lockers and who gets to sit on junior bench and who doesn't and or senior lawn and who's who's you know who's holding hands with who and who's not and just all oh, oh my it's just the whole world is right there yeah so much of life is gut wrenching at that age i haven't oh. had my gut wrenched other than the uh, you know the, the, the skin cancer place called and said yeah we you got to get something cut out of you mm. i mean other than that it's not that much i'm having mine right now so i can i can yeah. uh, tell you just from it doesn't get better with age it's just it's no more enjoyable now than it was then <laughs> i wouldn't expect it gut wrenching no. it's now yeah. Um. But so that's that. So she won. Yay. So she can say F cheer if she, all she wants. So are we going right. to see a rash of this all across the country? If you are contemptuous of your cheer program, let it loose, kids. I could have said F jazz band when I uh, tried when I was a sophomore and didn't get in. Did when I was a junior, but not as a sophomore. F jazz band. I was terrible. I shouldn't have been in jazz band. They right. made the There's right choice. Uh, practicing. <laughs> or they you could post an obscene right Instagram. <laughs> God, it's funny, like, last night I was sitting on my bed with a metronome practicing something on my guitar. If I had done that ever in high school, I would have been so much better. I mean, because that's what you're supposed to do. I, I never did that in high school. Why am I doing it now? I don't know. I feel that way about reading. Yeah. <laughs> if I would have just, you know, I enjoy reading now. If I had enjoyed <laughs> reading back in the day, oh, my grades. Unmatched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's funny. I think mm. some of it was that, like, childish, immature... I'm I'm not going to do what the man tells me to do. Some of it was just that, I think. Yeah, deferring short-term pleasure over long-term goals. I think you get better at that as as you because get of low T. Low T. Exactly. <laughs> I don't have the energy to screw around, so I guess I'll do some work. So I need the metronome. Exactly. Uh, hmm. Okay. I got a 45-foot dead whale that washed up on a, one of the most popular beaches in America, so that will hurt tourism. That's a good dead whale. It's not a great one. 45 feet, significant. But we have more important things to get to. Uh, which are they? Which which did we want to do next? I know I had one. Well, the more that's learned about the cover-up of the Wuhan leak and the more that's oh, learned about the oh, media's oh. immediately rushing right. to silence anybody who dared ask the right questions, it turns oh my out, God. the more disgusting it becomes. The guy that misled the world had such a conflict of interest, and if the media had any interest at all in getting to the bottom of the story, they'd have figured that out like in week one, if not day one. Jack, all you had to do was Google his name. Right. Uh, If you don't know this story, stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. is a pretty good, I mean, neurovirologists, you know all this stuff, but they, you can um, manipulate them in the lab pretty easily. It's yeah. just spike protein drives a lot of what happens with the yeah. coronavirus, uh, zoonotic risk. So you can get the sequence, you can build the protein, and we work with Ralph Barrick at UNC mm-hmm. to do this, um, insert it into a backbone of another virus right. and do, do some work in the lab. So really, in one of the great kind of head-hitting moments in recent history, we learn 
that the guy directly tied to bat virus experiments in the lab in Wuhan was the very same guy telling the entire world that there was no possibility this virus could have come from the Wuhan lab. Conflict of interest, anyone? It's yeah. absurd. It's beyond belief. It is both of those things, absurd and beyond belief. And the fact that the media didn't dig up this conflict of interest immediately, well, we all know why. We all know why. It's the Trump factor. that. Well, and I made the comment last uh, segment that all they had to do was Google the guy's name. Interestingly enough, Google played a huge role in silencing any of uh, anybody's ability to look into the conflict of interest, to call out the Wuhan lab, the rest of it. Big tech is out for itself, period. It cares nothing about the truth and is more than willing to silence you. That's the uh, that's the very doctor right there, Dazak, who who got the other scientists to sign on to that letter that the world took at face value of, no, it didn't come from the lab. We're, we're all the geniuses. We know what's right and what's wrong, and it didn't come from the lab. And everybody's like, okay, good, so Trump's a liar. Yay. Um, and not only that, but anybody who dares contradict these 19 scientists must be silenced, which is insane. Jennifer Griffin did a great report on this uh, topic uh, yesterday. Uh, let's hear clip 37. Sometimes these guys like to play God. Peter Dozik, the British-born zoologist who runs EcoHealth Alliance, has revised his competing interest statement published in the respected science journal, The Lancet, following a campaign of public pressure suggesting his conflicts of interest should have forced him to recuse himself from any investigation into the origins of COVID-19. Now they're fearful. Oh, my gosh, we don't want this thing linked back to the, to the kind of research we do, so let's do everything possible to sort of steer people away from it and cover it up. And that's what this guy did. He rallied a bunch of scientists who didn't disclose their conflicts. Dozik's New York-based nonprofit helped pass more than $600,000 of U.S. taxpayer funds to the Wuhan Institute of Virology for the study of bat coronaviruses with the goal of preventing a pandemic. He helped organize a statement from 27 scientists in February of last year calling lab leak hypotheses conspiracy theories. Unbelievable. So the guy has huge financial and then just personal, um, you know, credibility or whatever. He has huge reasons to uh, do what he did. And nobody was interested in digging those up. Well, he and Dr. Fauci and, and a number of people in our State Department are the people who said over and over again in writing, this research, the gain-of-function research, the, the genetic manipulation of viruses to study them, to find cures, etc., or to see how they spread, we can do this safely. Trust us. We're telling you we can do it safely. Turns out they were wrong, and millions died. I've never been responsible for the deaths of millions of people, so they covered it up as hard and fast as they could. I can't imagine... Well, I said I said this a couple of weeks ago, and it's a horrific metaphor, but I think it's an apt one. I am the guy who told my wife over and over again, we can safely have a gun in the house. And then a shot rings out from the kid's playroom. They feel like that guy would feel. And so they're doing what they're doing. And, the, and again, that's dirty, and it's wrong, and they ought to be called out, they ought to be prosecuted, or at least kicked out of their jobs, or, or held to account in some way or another. It's the, the enthusiasm 
of big tech and the media for joining their cover-up because they dislike Trump. That's the astonishing part to me and just reinforces what I've always believed. You can't trust anybody with the the right to censor. They always use it for wrong. Yeah, so the scientists' reactions, what they did is human nature. Human nature never changes. What we need is a press that's willing to out people when they're doing wrong. Uh, that we have some control over, should have some control over. You know, you said they were responsible for millions of deaths. They wouldn't have been if they'd been honest from the beginning and people could have caught on to what was happening and maybe the WHO, there had been more world pressure to get to the root of the coronavirus and what it is and how it could be stopped. There wouldn't have been millions of deaths. That's an excellent point. And $30 trillion spent worldwide and kids around the world who lost a year and a half or two of learning. If Dazak had stood up immediately and say and said, uh, I was part of this research in Wuhan. They are experimenting with empowered viruses. We thought we could do it safely. We're wrong. Chinese authorities, you've got to confess to what's going on here. It's a lab leak. If he'd said that day one could have been an incredibly different outcome. And I don't think he'd have gotten beaten up that bad. I really don't think he would have. But No, if he if he if he came clean and said we thought we could do this safely but the chinese uh, you know standards were just not high enough no we can do it safely but they didn't that, that's right. fine right but no he went with the coward's way out and indeed launched an enormous cover up that the new york times and all the alphabet networks were more than happy to help with and haven't gotten near the blame that they should get you're right people need to be fired armstrong and getty Explanatory or not? Let's listen to it. What happened? Yeah. He doesn't know. Google doesn't know you? Yeah. She doesn't know your voice, that's why. Mm-hmm. Tell Google. Tell Google what? My name. He doesn't know my name. Oh, that's why she's not listening to you? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go tell Google. Come. Mm-hmm. Hey, Google. Hey, Google. Hey, Google, say hi to me. Hey, Google. Say hi to Jordan. Hi, Jordan. <gasps> she knows you. Oh, he knows me. Never has oh. so much evil met so much innocence. That's so sweet and yet disturbing. Google isn't tapped into it. my every thought and action yet, Mommy. It's like when you see uh, Hitler's videos playing with a German Shepherd puppy. It's not much like that, Google no. no it's playing not. with a little girl. Nah, it's pretty much unlike that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> The popularity of make-me-move sellers in this crazy hot real estate market. What's a make-me-move seller? Stay tuned for that. Oh, my. Uh, My kids are at a camp this week, a church camp. They call these things, they call everything a camp now. I don't know who decided that. It used to be camp meant you're going to go to the woods with a tent. And camp. And camp. But now camp might mean you're in an urban area. For a couple of hours in a building learning something. They call yeah. it, They call everything a camp. I don't know why, um, but they do. Anyway, they're at a uh, church camp at a big church and doing all kinds of fun stuff and just absolutely loving it. And my youngest, who's never been to school, if you're a regular listener, you know that, with some special needs he has, he's never been to school uh, yet. Hopefully this next year he will. But um, he would be in fourth grade this coming year. Uh, anyway, he's digging camp because he's never had this much exposure to other kids and this kind of stuff before. 
And he's just loving it. Anyway, part of uh, the at the end of every day, they have at this big church, they have the uh, the modern Christian rock and roll music and lots of dancing around. And he is, for whatever reason, he does not have the I'm embarrassed to dance in other in front of other people gene. He is a full on. He did this at my parents' house. I said, Henry, you want to show me your dance? Oh, yeah, put on some songs. And he's in there in the middle of the living room doing his spinning around on the floor and different moves and robot yes. and everything. He just he's perfectly fine with dancing in front of other people. Which is Does awesome. he do clinics? I hope he keeps that up. But anyway, he's loving the the music. You're not making Jesus better. You're making rock music worse. Uh, <laughs> once once said Hank Hill. Uh, but uh, he's loving dancing to all everything. Just having oh, so nice. much fun. Very, very that's cool. great. Happy for him and learning a little something too. He's talking about it. Telling me that Jesus walked on water story yesterday. It's just absolutely fantastic. The and, Bible! And if nothing, that's right, sir. And if nothing else, says, oh, and he even said, oh, that's why. He said, that's what that means in that Charlie Daniels song that we listen to. And I said, if uh, it's important to know these stories from the Bible because they're regularly referenced in TV shows, movies, everywhere. You know, sayings in everyday life that you don't know if you don't have any background in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, plus, for spiritual reasons, plus obviously. the salvation. <laughs> right. It's an odd thing to put second. But yeah, as a, as a set of cultural references in the Western world, yes, it is valuable. Come catch all future pop culture references and have your soul saved for eternity. It's, it's a double dip. Um, what was I going to do next? Oh, I want to make sure everybody hears this. So I've done it. Uh, did it late yesterday? Did it early day? Just want to make sure everybody hears this because it's a... It's a Harvard-Harris poll, one of your respected news organizations, asking about immigration policy in the United States. And I want you to hear this so you have more confidence to say out loud, uh, you know, in a gathering, if this topic comes up, what you think, because most other people think uh, most other people think it too. And you might think you're in the minority if you're in a group of people. You probably aren't. Two-thirds of registered voters think that Joe Biden should issue new, stricter policies to stop the flow of illegal immigration. Two-thirds of registered voters want stricter policies. A majority of Americans, 55%, think Biden should have kept Trump's policies. Wow. I said, you're kidding me. Now, you would think if you said that in a, in a, you'd never say that out loud in a backyard barbecue unless you live in certain areas where you know everybody agrees with you. You'd think, oh, no, this is controversial. Way too controversial. I might be called a xenophobe or a racist. Majority of Americans believe Biden should have kept Trump's policies on immigration. And then finally, two-thirds of Americans say that when they catch illegals, they ought to send them back across the border. Well, of course, because they snuck in. That's not oh, lawful. Oh, that's considered just the most hateful, xenophobic, awful thing you could possibly do on every single cable news channel you watch, including right. Fox some of the time, because their guests are afraid to say this out loud. Yeah, yeah. Well, my, some of my faith in the American people is restored. The two-thirds who believe that we ought to have stricter immigration policies, it's self-evidently true. I mean, it is absolutely clearly true. If you have somewhere between 12 and 25 million illegals, you could come to the conclusion that you need stricter policies. Right. And and the idea that, and and again, this is a recurring theme. I hope we're not wearing it out. The, The fact that you get such a different view from America's media elite is really troubling. You probably didn't know that two thirds of Americans, including plenty of Democrats, believe we need to get stricter now. It's really troubling, but it's it's it, again. I'm I'm glad to hear America is much more sane than you'd think watching the media. 
So I've got for you here a point th- uh, 37 on the graph that proves that we're in a real estate bubble, and it's just going to burst any day now. Oh, shh, quiet, the mind po- your own business. The popularity of make-me-move sellers. I've always wondered about this when I go to places like Carmel, California. If you've never been there, one of the most beautiful places in the world. It's also some of the most expensive real estate in the world. And, like, practically every home in town is always for sale. And I've always thought, this has got to be just a, you leave it for sale, in case Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are walking down the street, which they may very well be, because that's the kind of people that go to Carmel, and they think, I want to live there. And they're willing to pay anything for it. So you just sure. price it really high, and you have it for sale all the time. There's Maybe lots it's of... a Russian oligarch. Maybe it's a Chinese yeah. uh, business mogul, whatever. I don't sure. care. Did the check clear? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. So you just think, I got one of those kind of houses that somebody might walk by with, with you know, they don't care what it costs money. That wants to live here, my ocean view, etc. Mm-hmm. Well, people are doing that all across the United States now, and what they're calling "make me move" sellers. So, in May, the median price for a home crossed the three hundred fifty thousand dollar mark for the first time ever, up twenty four percent from a year earlier. The one hundred eleventh straight month of year over year gains. Well, that's because the population grew by fifty percent. Oh, wait a minute! <laughs> no, it didn't. Wait, what? And in comes the rise of make-me-move pricing. As homeowners watch their neighbors bring in huge profits, some are feeling FOMO, fear of missing out. I know I've got that right now. But, you know what, so I sell my home and I'm going to go sit on the curb and enjoy my uh, takings, or am I going to buy another home, which is also inflated in price? So Get a go. tent. It's legal now. So a lot of people are listing their properties just to see who bites. Make-me-move pricing. You price it at a number where you think, you know, if somebody buys it for that, I will move or start renting or, or whatever. Uh, a lot of aspirational make-me-move pricing happening all across the country. I get it. Mm. I think I've had neighbors do that, and they've ended up moving because they got that number. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to move anymore. Although i got to admit, my, my greed bones started humming. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Unless I'm going to move like to a wildly cheaper area... The other, you know, and, and get a lesser home or, you know, whatever. You um, got to live somewhere. You got to live somewhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> so selling my house at an exorbitant price and then buying another one at an exorbitant price and then it crashes doesn't do me any good. I just want to get one of them big old SUVs, one of those big old bus things and just drive that around the country. Y'all can own houses with your leaking roofs and your weeds and your lawns. Me, it's the open road. <laughs> That's the way I beat it. <laughs> hey, I got a question for you. So this NFL player that came out as gay, mm-hmm. and uh, Oakland Raider, as I said, I'm sorry, Las Vegas Raider. I don't pay attention to sports that much anymore. I didn't know that this was even still a big thing, and I don't know how many many people reacted to it. Oh my God! Or if you're just like, okay, fine. I think there are way more. Okay, fine. I mean, I've seen all the polls on even a majority of uh, Republicans now accept gay marriage, let alone mm-hmm. gay people in their NFL. So. Um, uh, <laughs> I just sure, I don't good for you. Are you a good player? Are, are you yeah, effective? Yeah. Yay. Yeah, and it's the first person to do it. So, you know, that's notable, I guess. I just, you know, I think and this is a good thing. I don't think many people are like yay boo anything. Just okay. Sure, of the hundreds and hundreds of NFL players, certainly a certain, you know, several of them are gay. But so now that he's out as gay, all those years as being a a, a, a pro athlete hanging around other pro athletes. Is it just torturous being gay and you're surrounded by other people you're attracted to in a locker room situation? If I were 
if I were in a locker room with a bunch of 23-year-old, 0% body fit naked women, body fat naked women, I wouldn't want that. I would find that torturous. No, and I think the jig would be up pretty quickly, too, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know. That's That's got to be a very difficult existence yeah, for a fellow like that. Yeah, I would think it would be awful. I mean, especially because, let's be honest, the NFL is a bunch of young, very, very macho guys and and a hell of a lot of black guys whose, uh, how would I phrase this, whose approval of, tolerance of gay Americans is lower than the population at large. Hmm. So the need to stay closeted is more acute, I would guess. But uh, Interesting. Uh, no, it's an interesting position to be in. Yeah. Um, do you know but I wish this guy luck. I hope no hate comes his way or anything like that. It's a tough enough gig. Text line 415-295-KFTC. You can count and comment on anything. Anything? Anybody doing the whole uh, make-me-move pricing? Where, hey, if somebody gives me this much money, I'll move into an apartment until the crash. I mean, everybody has a number. I think my number would have to be so high that nobody's yeah. actually going to pay for it. Because, I mean, I, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to go through the hassle. Yeah, I hear that. Oh, you know what? Gosh dang it, I almost forgot it. We were talking about the Loudoun County, Virginia debate over critical race theory in their school, and they've also got some really questionable stuff uh, in English classes. They're reading stuff that's borderline pornographic. There's one aspect of it, though, that I've heard now several times from several different school districts, that if your kids are in public schools, important you hear this. Absolutely insidious. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. There's some research that would suggest people are hungering for more balanced media. We'll look at that in hour four. I hope that is true, because I think it'd be good for the country and be good for our show. But Yeah, honestly. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, the one completely unacceptable thing your kids might hear in school. I'm going to tell you what it is, and you can communicate it to them, and no matter how young they are, they're going to understand it. comes out of that Loudoun County uh, nonsense, uh, arguing about critical race theory, among other things. Uh, just came to our attention, this is a Pennsylvania dad who is speaking out about his school board's censorship of their meetings. He kind of explains it in it, but this is yet another one of these uh, critical race theory uh, being injected into our kids' consciousness things. Uh, let's go ahead, uh, Sean, with the first clip. There it is, 65. I'm going to I am quote to you, you make your comments, I'm but do not do name-calling like you me. just did. This is my comment, not your comment. I'm quoting to you now from the United States Supreme Court 1964 case, New York Times versus Sullivan. This is constitutional case law in this country, and I'm quoting you from the U.S. Supreme Court. The, just, the judges wrote that this nation is founded on the, quote, profound national commitment to the principle that debate on public issues shall be uninhibited, robust, and wide open, and that it may well include vehement, caustic, and sometimes unpleasantly sharp attacks on government and public officials. That's constitutional case law in this nation. I don't have to be nice to you. Nobody behind me has to be nice to you. If you don't like living in the United States of America, then you can all move to Russia, Cuba, or China. This is the First Amendment. 
Oh, so uh, the guy with a British accent. Wow, that was fantastic reading from that decision. We need to keep this tape around forever. The reason he's pissed off is, and I'm not sure how well this is explained in the the uh, the clips we have, but the school board had been censoring the comments made at meetings and Which, submitted to them. God dang it. If they didn't like them, they struck them out. It goes to my ongoing fascination with how dumb or ideologically blind school administrators are. There wasn't anybody in the room when that decision was being made who said, uh, we can't be censoring comments from school board meetings. I mean, we can't be taking them out for the replay on the website. We just we just can't. Right, That's right. That's not going to fly. Give us clip 66. I will caution you, solicitor. There is a video camera to my left. If you edit this tape, then you're going to have a big legal problem on your hands because my right to critique your fascism, which is what this is, is constitutionally protected. There are emails, public record emails, in which the director of equity is lobbying and advocating for public comment to be censored in this school district. And you know what? You know what? Lobbying for it, advocating for it. We've got the school board president saying she'll do better at hitting the moot button in blatant violation of the Constitution for her lobbying and her advocacy of unconstitutional censorship. I want you, the school board, to terminate the employment of Dr. Charissa Gibson with immediate effect. That guy can bring it, and he's got, he's got everything on his side. I can't believe the school board thought that was a good idea. Let's, let's take a minute and let this sink in, finally, that the forces of critical race theory and their associated uh, causes specifically and proudly tell you your comments are not allowed. They are violence. Your thoughts, your speech must be curtailed for moral reasons and safety reasons. Now, if I might indulge myself, let's hear clip 65 again, and and let's listen carefully to the, the wording of the Supreme Court. I'm going to I am quote to you, you make your comments, I'm but do not just do a name do not talk like over you me. just did. This is my comment, not your comment. I'm quoting to you now from the United States Supreme Court 1964 case, New York Times versus Sullivan. This is constitutional case law in this country, and I'm quoting you from the U.S. Supreme Court. The, just, the judges wrote that... This nation is founded on the, quote, profound national commitment to the principle that debate on public issues shall be uninhibited, robust, and wide open, and that it may well include vehement, caustic, and sometimes unpleasantly sharp attacks on government and public officials. That's constitutional case law in this nation. I don't have to be nice okay, to you. That's Nobody good. behind me has to be nice to you. That's, that's good. And so uh, the forces of the left, the far left, are saying blah, 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 racism, blah, 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 safe space. We reserve the right to silence you. Reject that. Don't worry about the reasoning. Don't you understand? Con men and liars and dictators, they're good at their job. And their job is to make you think they're justified. Well, the, Don't buy it. Reject it reflexively. Well, some of them are con men who are leading the charge, but the college students who have who've heard it and believe it, they, they're not being con men. They believe it. They believe Speech is violence, you're being violent, and there's no room for violence. So you don't get to say what you're saying.
And they are the brown shirts who enforce the, the radicals and the race hustlers and the, the liars' uh, wills. That's That guy is a hero. Absolutely a hero. It's, oh, 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 my God, I almost forgot. All right, so here, here is the point I want to make to you about the one thing that cannot happen with your kids. And it arose, it's kind of a forgotten little paragraph toward the end of the story about Loudoun County, Virginia schools and the debate they're having about critical race theory and also some really controversial uh, readings being assigned in English classes, which were not on the syllable, the syllabus, rather. The syllabus was distributed to the kids and the families. Then the teachers added these books without informing the principal or the parents. And I've heard this multiple times, and this is what you need to communicate to your kids. The kids were told in class, there's no need to share this with your family. You don't need oh to God. tell your parents we're talking about this. Oh, my God. I, I don't think I could stop myself. If I found that out happening in my school, I don't think I could stop myself from driving to the school at 100 miles an hour and running in the room red-faced and screaming at people. So here's what I ask you, of you. I pay you. Don't you effing tell my kid he's not allowed to tell me what you're teaching him. Oh, I would lose it. Here is the bottom line. Here's your, your task. Tell your kids, if they are still in public schools, and we'd encourage you to get them out for the reasons we've been discussing, but tell your kids if a teacher or administrator ever tells you don't tell your parents about this or you don't have to tell your parents about this you need to tell me immediately make that infinitely clear to your children so now we got to do the stranger danger thing like a guy with a puppy in a van about public school teachers that's just fantastic